Most entrepreneurs are a little more clever than the, the, the other people that you know, are walking along the road. And so they believe, really believe that they can, they can fix all these things. like you were being controlled by your business instead of you actually owning your business, you're definitely want to get to hear this conversation that Aaron, Scott Young, and I have today. Um, as you know, a lot of my interviews are really about pulling that one special piece of knowledge that someone has. And, and the people that I interview actually have a wealth of knowledge in many different areas, but they, they excel on one, one point that I become intrigued about. And then I want to have them on the show so that we can talk about it. And that's, that's what I did today with Aaron, because, um, a lot of the things that he talks about actually, um, helped me in this interview. And I know it's going to help you. And it's a reminder because even, even myself as a, as a small business owner, we, we've, you know, had different periods of, of growth, my business partner and I. So, you know, we started our business and we had really fast growth. Then it kind of, you know, plateaued for a year. Then we grew again, then it plateaus. And it's like kind of this up and down. And every time there's that, okay, we're kind of, we're kind of at this, you know, stable place, but we want to, we want to get to that next level. There's a whole bunch of different things that we need to do. And for me, the reason I was so interested in talking to Aaron today is because for me, I noticed that when those things happen, you really got to step in your business again. And I can get very lost in that and become, you know, like obsessed with it and start to feel that your business is controlling you. And I need to remember those, those tools and those things to do to get out of that. And we talk about some of that today, a lot of that, that's what we're talking about with Aaron. And he's just like the perfect person. Um, he's, he's had quite an experience. Um, and he's, he's just so knowledgeable in terms of building team culture and, and how to create that and the systems to have in play and really, you know, how do you, what are the things that you should be measuring? How, why is that so important? Um, so if you if you have experienced that, um, and even if it's like me where it's been in and out of it, where you're like, cool, I've we've got we've got things in place and and I'm I'm good. I can I can be at this, you know, chairman type position rather than this CEO position. Um, I've been in and out of that, I will say, in in my business. And I think that's very common with small business owners. Probably even more common is that you are just so in it every single day and you are feeling owned by it rather than owning it. And um, what we talk about is how it's very easy to get into that, you know, week to week, month to month, looking at numbers and not really staying focused on where is it that you want to be in three years from now, and perhaps not even knowing where it is that you want to be three years from now. And, um, we'll, we'll talk about how to, how to get clear on that and, and why it's so important to be so super crystal clear and to really step outside of what you really want that to look like and how that does help you tremendously. It's a great conversation. Um, really happy that you guys get to listen in on it. Um, I can tell you a little bit more about Aaron. He's he's a renowned entrepreneur with more than 30 years experience and several multi-million dollar companies under his belt. And he's really made it his life's work to arm business owners with success formulas that immediately provide exponential growth and protection. And he fully embodies this whole concept of the unshackled business owner. And so he inspires other businesses and others to do the same by empowering them to build strong companies while, and this is important, proactively protecting their own dreams. And what he knows to be true and what we talk about is that when you have the right systems and culture, culture is so important culture in place, you can build a business that works for you. And we are going to talk about culture too and what that means, because I think 
and not that I think I see it, I see it a lot. Um, people look at culture as something different than what it really needs to be in order to have that awesome team. So listen out for that. Um, but ideally, I mean, as business owners, we want a business that is optimized for cash flow, growth, and progress. And that's what, that's what Aaron does. That's, that's what he, uh, arms business owners with and, and helps them to do. He's a, he's a lifelong entrepreneur. He's a trusted advisor to CEOs and outsourced chief strategy officer. Um, he's, He's armed with the expertise needed to quickly get to the heart of complex issues and really identify the solutions that that bring bring forth the progress that that we all want as business owners and entrepreneurs. And I do believe that he has a unique standpoint from from others. You know, I think there's a lot of um, different things that we can hear, and I. I love the voice that he offers entrepreneurs and business owners. And, and that is exactly why I'm sharing it with you because I know it will bring a ton of value. So please stay tuned into this, listen in, look at the takeaway points. You're going to see a lot that you can, can gain. And of course, as always, if you look at the show notes, you, um, you'll find access to learning more from Aaron and the programs that he has to really get you to be in that place of owning your business and not being owned by it. Enjoy. Aaron, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh yeah, it's always fun to be with you, Summer. I love it. We've we've known each other for years. I think we just met at the time when I was starting the draw shop. And yeah. I follow you and your beautiful wife and have fallen in love with both of you because you're just an amazing family, an amazing couple. And you also do incredible things in, in business. You're, you're an entrepreneur. You've, you do all really amazing things for other entrepreneurs and business owners. And that's why I had to have this conversation with you because there's so many questions I have. And I know there's a lot of things that you can share for, for our audience. Good. Yeah, I, that's super generous of you to say that. And <laughs> I accept. And I, you know what? It's pretty easy to have an amazing life with the wife that uh, I married. We just celebrated our 32nd anniversary and awesome. um, it's, it's the smartest thing I ever did. And, and um, so many of the positive things that I get a lot of credit for go back to having this really wonderful relationship with a brilliant woman. And, and um, I'm just, I'm a very lucky guy. So, but anyway, yeah, I, thanks for what you said. And, and um, I'm, I'm, thrilled to be here. What well, makes all the difference when you have when you have that support and that relationship? I know it does for me because life's not always easy and when you have that support and you have, you know, that that person who's always standing by you, it's just it it does make a world of a difference and that's in everything, you know, in raising your kids together in business, everything. Oh yeah, absolutely right. So I there's there's so much that I wanna I wanna pull out from you. <laughs> you you're you're just brilliant in in this in this industry. Um, but I'm gonna focus on. I really want to focus on one one part of your business, and it's called um, it's a program that you developed called the Unshackled Owner. And the reason why is because it's it's something that I hear from entrepreneurs a lot. And it's this struggle with feeling like their business is, is controlling them rather than them running their business and just being, you know, a business owner. And I think that what I have personally seen and what I've personally experienced myself is that there are times when you you feel like, oh, you know, I, I can I can step outside and I've got this incredible team running things. But then when you want to make shifts because things change and things evolve, you can get back into that, wow, I feel like 24-7, I'm being controlled by my business. So I guess the first thing is, 
what what are the signs that your business is controlling you? What have you seen and what have you experienced yourself? Well, I mean, so uh, here's sort of my belief, and I don't I don't want to get ahead of wherever you're going with this, but um, most of us start a business because we're good at doing something in the business. It doesn't mm-hmm. maybe technician and you know, maybe you're a good dentist and so you want to have your own dental practice or maybe you're really super highly organized or you're really good at, you know, you're really great at sales and so you start a business selling anything basically because you can do that. But usually there's some superpower that we demonstrate that is our thing that we're so good at And, and people, you know, think often, you know, why am I working so hard for somebody else? I should go do this for myself. I should start my own business. And then, of course, when you do that, the harsh reality of all the other things that go into running a company um, show up, things you never knew before. Mm -hmm. And, And so, as entrepreneurs, we get into this place where we're trying to do the thing we're really good at, and we're also, because money's usually tied at the beginning, we're trying to learn, you know, the, the accounting side and the, the digital marketing side and the hiring side and the human resource as far as not just hiring, but, you know, what requirements do I have that, you know, what insurance and what workman's comp and what, you know, what are the rules that I'm supposed to follow? And it becomes incredibly overwhelming. And yes. And well, and oftentimes people, you don't know those things until they pop up and become a problem because you weren't really ahead of it. You know, like if oh, you, yeah, if you, you start, so it's even yeah. more overwhelming because you're like, well, now I've got this to fix and I wasn't prepared for it. Yeah. And, and the combination of, of, um, you know, I can do anything kind of a, a belief system. Most entrepreneurs believe I can figure it out or, you know, they're, they're usually, most entrepreneurs are a little more clever than the, than the other people that, you know, are walking along the road. And so they believe, really believe that they can, they can fix all these things. Plus, as I said, usually money is tight at the beginning. And so anything that you have to hire somebody else to do, even on a project basis, means it's money not going in your pocket. And so people get into this kind of what I consider kind of a uh, it's somewhere between staying static and being in a death spiral where they're, they're taking on more and more and more responsibility, doing less of what they're good at, more of what they suck at, and, and they become overwhelmed and frustrated. And we've all felt that. Every one of us have felt that. Um, I will say that I was kind of lucky because my first real business that had other people working in it. In other words, not just me as, as you know, a, a lone guy back when I was a teenager, but this started when I was 19. And uh, we started a business, another guy and I started a business, and we developed some, some um, technology and, and intellectual property. It was all analog. This was back in the early 80s. But, but we developed some systems around what we were doing and became successful, you know, on a small scale, but we were making really good money for a couple of kids in, in 1982, 83. Yeah. And, um, and when I say really well, I mean, back then uh, I could make four to $6,000 a month after all expenses, you know, uh, that's what I could keep. That was a lot of money back then. Yeah. And, um, especially for a 19 year old. And so it was more money than my dad was making. And, you know, I was 19 and I didn't have a house payment or anything. Um, right. Then I left to go on a Mormon mission. I grew up in the Mormon church and spent most of my life active in the Mormon church. And I left on a mission for a year and a half and I still made money while I was gone. And it was because the systems were organized so the business could operate in my absence. And I, that was something I, I became conscious of as a 21-year-old. And I've kept that, um, to me, it became a fact. And so everything I've built since then 
has been built on the con- or around the concept of I'm going to be busy for a while and I'm going to get less busy as we progress. And you mentioned the Unshackled Learner class. Well, I've only been teaching that for about, well, it's, we're in April, so it's exactly three years right now. Yeah. Um, I taught my very first class in April of 20, I, 18, 19, so it would have been 17. Um, and um, and the, the point is, I just always thought everybody understood the process to build a business that would operate, you know, once established, would operate without the founder being the most critical employee. Um, I just thought everyone understood it. And it, finally, I became aware back then that a lot of people were, were kind of freaking out that I was, it seemed like I never went to work. And I yeah. was always gallivanting or horseback riding or something. <laughs> and um, people started saying, what's going on? And it was only then that I became mindful, consciously aware that everybody wasn't doing what I was doing. I just thought it was the way to do it. I'd never thought it was a unique way of doing it, if right. that makes sense. So, no, it totally makes sense. We've always, we, so, Summer, the answer to your question, we've all felt that stress of, of trying to do everything and becoming overwhelmed. Um, and then some of us have learned that when you get that overwhelm, you have to step back and go, okay, wait, I know better than this. What, why, what part of the process am I not implementing? Because I shouldn't feel this way. And you really don't have to feel that way. And once you learn how to own companies instead of being self-employed, it solves a lot of that stress. Yeah. Well, so, and I, and I think you've, you've said this before, is that businesses or business owners will get focused on the wrong things. And so they're not getting the results that they want. And I think sometimes you're so in it, you know, and you're, you're so absorbed in it that it becomes unclear and you're not asking like the question you just asked, which is a great question is what am I not implementing? What am I not doing? And just really asking the right question so that you can think differently. But what are, I mean, are there certain things that, that you've seen that are common that business owners are focused on instead of being focused on something else? Like what are those things? (laughs) I mean, it's going to be different in different circumstances, right? But right. Here's, here's the thing. First of all, just as, as sort of a foundation to the conversation, there are at least three things that I see all the time, but three that I see regularly that lead to the um, unrealized dream of that entrepreneur. It could be, it could be a f- utter failure or it could be... Um, just they're not successful, they're struggling. Um, The first thing is the idea, you know, what is it you're doing? Um, Many people just have horrible ideas. They just have stupid ideas. And and I'll tell you what it is, Summer, it's they get hung up on what they want to do, not what the market wants to buy. Yeah. And, And so I see all the time people pursuing something that they're very passionate about it and they're they've they're just knocking their head against the wall trying with all of their might to make it work but nobody's responding and guess what it's because nobody wants it okay right. i i don't mean to be too mean-spirited here but this is uh, it, there's <laughs> so many people are trying so hard to force an audience to, to buy what they're trying to promote. And the fact is at some point you have to acknowledge the audience doesn't want it or the idea might be brilliant, but it's ahead of the curve. So they're, they're, they're too soon with their idea, right? They, they've got a great idea, but there's not an infrastructure out there to really implement the idea to a broad market. Yeah. And so, in other words, you could have something right now selling holographs or holograms, um, but there's not fast enough computing process 
for the rank and file computer user to have some way to make a hologram show up on their desk, Mm -hmm. right? And have a kind of a three-dimensional conversation with you and I. It's not that the technology doesn't exist. It's that there's not, the, the chips aren't fast enough yet. You can't, they can't process it fast enough yet. So if you're trying to force that, that very interesting technology onto a system that isn't ready for it, you will struggle or fail. Make sense? So it's so true. And it's, I, th- I think I've heard, I've heard the story a number of times where people are so focused on this one thing and the way that they want it, the way that they, they want it to be, whether it's an app or whatever solution, quote unquote solution it is that they have. And then when they actually go to research their market, they learn that's an entirely different thing that they want, or people come up with all these different, you know, features and benefits and things that they can add on. And it's like, but nobody wanted that. <laughs> they instead wanted oh, yeah. something. Well, so the, so the second thing is, so first is your idea is either too soon or not good. The second thing is money. You don't have enough money to survive or you're unwilling to survive at the level you'll have to in order to make this thing work. A great example of that is, is this kind of funny classic story now about Mark Cuban that people might know from the Dallas Mavericks or the Shark Tank or he's a billionaire anyway. Mark talks about um, eating, going into McDonald's and getting the free ketchup packages and then eating ketchup because he couldn't afford to go to the counter and buy something, but he needed to be reinvesting the money in what he was doing, not taking it for himself. So a lot of people either don't have external funds that could be savings, could be credit cards, it could be a loan, it could be, you know, it could be loan from family members. Um, You're rarely going to go out and get, almost nobody's going to go out and get outside investors, you know, equity financing. We talk about it a lot, but very few entrepreneurs do it. So if you don't have enough money to survive long enough for your idea to take root, that's another reason that you'll, you'll give up because you can't live in that level of poverty. And then the third thing is you might have a great idea, you might have money, but if you don't know how to own a business, it doesn't matter really how good at delivery of the promise is, if you don't know how to run the business, then you'll never get any bigger than your personal ability to fulfill and to sell and to, you know, solve problems. It'll never get any bigger than your cleverness or your you know, your knowledge. And, and so at some point, other people will blow past you or will push you out of business or whatever. Or what most entrepreneurs do is live that life of quiet desperation, you know, where they're, they're making enough to keep going and they've put their heart and soul into it for so long, they're not going to give up, but they're never going to become wealthy. They're always going to live hand to mouth. And that's how we see almost all small businesses out there as they live hand to mouth. How, how do I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, and then you see them, you know, living this life where it's like, okay, wait a minute, you're, you're doing this because you, you say that you love it, but then at the same time, you're not having any time to do the things that you really want to do. And you are, as you'd say, shackled, shackled to it. How does, I mean, what's the first step of even getting out of that? Okay. Let me address what you just said though. Cause Summer, I thought we, you just said was really incredibly important. And most entrepreneurs don't think like this. So um, one of the things with the people that come to me that want to take the unshackled owner class or uh, you know, hire me to come in and work with their team or whatever. Um, one of the first things I explain to them is remember these people, these employees of yours, or or you know, virtual assistants or anybody that's on your team, they do this work for you because they want to earn money to fund the part of their life that's discretionary, the part they get to choose, Mm -hmm. where they live, what hobbies they pursue, what vacation they go on, what clothes they buy for their kids. 
they're working for you to pay for the other part of their life that matters to them. Yeah. Right. And, and so I try to get the owner to remember that. Now, here's the ironic thing is that most business owners have completely lost track of why they started doing this in the first place, which was to provide a certain kind of life, a certain kind of lifestyle, a certain sort kind of freedom, a hoped for level of, of income that they hadn't experienced before. And, but they lose that because they get so bogged down in running the business, they forget why they're doing it in the first place. And so the very first step in becoming unshackled is stepping back away from that project, stepping away from your business and, and having a real introspective moment or day or month and say, and here's the question. So here's number one, what is the outcome that I want for my life? Let's say three years from now, where do I want to be? For, forget the business for a minute. What if I could describe my life in three years or five years, what would it be? And then the next question is, can this project that I'm working on actually become the vehicle to give me the life I want? Because people are pursuing stuff that's never going to get very big. You know, the most recent, recent statistics say that it, well, in the last, um, uh, um, um, <laughs> what do you call it? The census, the government census. Yeah. Um, 22 million individuals said they were either self-employed or owned a business. Now, a lot of those people could be selling on eBay, selling Tupperware, selling you know, Etsy, um, doing some kind of a side hustle um, in addition to a, like a W-2 job, or they're a solopreneur. Almost, almost everybody that says they're a business owner is a business of one, the right. vast majority. Almost, almost none of the companies out there have more than 10 employees. Of the 22 million, almost all of them are under 10 employees. Most of them, just the founder, that's it. Yeah. Um, and so what, what you want to do is say, oh, but the census says that many people are there. And further, if you, if you drill down deeper into that, only 4% of that 22 million individuals only 4% of those businesses will ever break $1 million in revenue, you know, yeah. in a year. So if you're, if you're over a million dollars in revenue in your business, you're already a winner. <laughs> you're already killing it compared to the vast majority of people. Yeah. Um, and then most main street companies, the dentist, the restaurant, the landscape company, the coffee shop or whatever they're, if, if they're doing, you know, five hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred, a hundred thousand dollars in sales. I mean, odds are they're living pretty comfortably. The owner is right. Um, the big problem is though, if you don't know what you want, if you don't know what you where you're going with this thing, then all you do is stress out over the numbers month by month. As soon as you can get incredibly crystal clear on the outcome you want. I mean, in, in, in beautiful, high-definition detail, here's exactly what, my, what I want. This is, if I could describe my life and everything was working three years from today, here's what it would look like. Um, when you can get that clearly in your mind and write it down and then articulate to others, say it out loud. First of all, by saying it out loud or even by writing what's in your head, sometimes you'll go, oh, what the heck was I thinking? You know, that's, a, <laughs> yeah. that's insane. Like, People I, I have a hard time with that. And that's, that's an exercise. I mean, my, my husband and I even do that just within our family with us. We, we do that three years out, you know, we, and we constantly revisit it. And I've done that with business too. And we have, we've, we've used, um, Cameron Harold's book, Vivid Vision, to do that whole exercise. What does the business look like in three years? Where do we want to go? And, um, and what I noticed when you talk to other people, and even the first time I did it with my husband, it's hard for people 
to get out and actually go, well, what does that look like when it's working perfectly? Because they have so much of in their mind of what typically is going on. It's hard for them to get out of that. Oh yeah. And they, they can, they can think in the terms of like 5% sales growth or I want to make, you know, I want to be whatever, let's say a million dollars. There are people always say million dollars, which is just meaningless. Yeah. I mean, a million dollars, but compared to what expenses compared to- Well, I was just going to say, and that doesn't even matter. I mean, you know, there could be a million dollar company that's, you know, 40% profitable. And then there's a $5 million company that's 10% profitable. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's hard to, I agree with you. (laughs) So the first thing is get clear on where you want to go, because once you get clear, everything speeds up. And it, you, will, you will find it will almost be, it'll seem mystical and magical to some people, or they'll, they'll give God credit or they'll give anybody credit besides themselves for finally getting clear on the outcome and then making movements in that specific direction. They're going to, yeah. all of a sudden, everything gets easier and they think it's mystical or it's outside of their control, but it's not. It's simply, if, I, if I'm in Los Angeles, if I say I'm in Los Angeles and I want to go to New York, you'll, you'll get to New York, but you won't, where are you going to be in New York? <laughs> where, yeah. Are you in the state of New York? Are you going to be on Staten Island? Are you going to be walking around Central Park? Or are you going to be at an address and a suite number where you can actually say, oh, I got exactly to where I wanted to go. You need to get very detailed. And once you know exactly where you, do, where you need to go, we've all used you know, our GPS on our phones and our cars. And we know you avoid the traffic jams. You avoid the problems when you have a clear outcome. It will, the, the system will take you to exactly where you want to go and you'll skip a lot of the junk along the way. So that's number one. That's a long answer for number one, but there you go. I love that answer. <laughs> no, it's, it's so true. I mean, I, I think, you know, what, what's really happening is that when you know where it is and you have a very clear vision of where it is that you want to go, you, you can't help but start to ask yourself different questions and think differently about what you need to do to get there. Whereas if you just make it so vague, you then have all of the excuses in the world of why you're not going to get there. And you, you, it's almost like being vague is it's kind of like the whole, I'm going to lose weight. Yeah. You know, it's just so vague. It's like, well, what, why, (laughs) what is it that you want? It's, you know, I'm, I'm going to be energetic. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to be able to work out every day. You know, it's just being really, really specific and clear about that's We're still too general. Going. You're going to and say, that's still too general. And that's still too general. But it's I'm you know, I'm thousand steps in. I'm going to yes, I'm, yes. I'm going to track my calories. I'm going to um, I'm going to replace hollow calories with with high density calories, so I feel full on less food. So that means more apples and less Oreos, right? Right. I mean, you have to get explicit like that because what what matters gets measured. Right, and so um, Peter Drucker said it the other way. What, what you know, we measure what matters, or whatever he said. My favorite thing on measuring is when we deal in generalities, we shall rarely have success. When we deal in specifics, we shall rarely have a failure. When performance is measured, performance improves. When performance mm-hmm. is measured and reported back, the rate of improvement accelerates. It's yep. a long quote that basically says. Whatever we pay close attention to is what we end up doing. And, and, and also, today, other with people can help us do. Yes. I was going to say, can't today, explain uh, it, they can't help us. Yeah. Measuring um, is so exciting, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's fun not- because you have, you have the proof there of, of your efforts and you can see right away what's working, what's not working. Um, and then with, you know, with today's technology, I was going to say is there's, there's so much that we can measure that 10 years ago or 15 years ago was a lot more difficult and took a lot more time. And you can see things pretty quickly now, the changes that you make. Um, and even just, even if you're just talking about, you know, with, with your teams and, and measuring 
their performance and just morale, you know, I mean, everything can be measured. I completely agree. And I think that's the, it's the only way to really get to that place is by, by constantly looking at that. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's absolutely important. See, let's go back to the foundation um, yeah. that you mentioned unshackled owner to become the idea of the unshackled owner training is to, is to teach people how to become uh, a chairman of the board rather than a president. Um, in other words, how to own the business rather than being the person tasked with the most critical work in the business. Mm-hmm. People wonder, how, I get the question all the time. I mean, you're asking me the questions now without going to the heart of it, but um, you know, I own this 48 year old company that I bought back in 01 and I haven't, when I went, when I bought it, it was a mess and it took all of my attention, all of my effort for the first couple of years. And then after two years, I started spreading out my visits. It's in another state and we have a bunch of employees and lots of clients, tens and tens and tens of thousands of clients. And um, now, I mean, I haven't even walked in the door of that office for over two years. Um, I do a one-hour weekly management call where we make sure we're staying on track. I'm the chairman, but I don't have a job in that company. Uh, At first, I had to be in the middle of everything. But when you learn to put the system in place that allows you to extract yourself from any work you don't want to do or any of it at all, where you actually own an asset instead of own a job, that it's a completely different way of looking at it. So um, a, a chairman of the board looks at where are we going? Who's on the team? Who do we want to keep on the team? How are we going to track what they do? How are we going to build a culture that is the, the bucket that holds all of our dreams together? Culture is what, and I, we could go on and on about how to build corporate culture. If, if you have any questions you want to talk about there, because I think culture is critical. But it, yeah. it all comes down to where are we going, who's on the team, and how do we measure what we're doing so we do more of the good stuff and less of the bad stuff, and how do we empower our team to function in the calling or the stewardship, the job that we've assigned them, instead of us having to look over their shoulder? How do we allow them, get the smartest people we can get, allow them to work, and and um, let them tell us what we need to do versus us trying to tell people that are smarter than us on some topic what we think they should do. That, that's how you become successful is to do what I just said and learn how to say no to almost everything. Right. <laughs> this idea about yes energy, just say yes to everything and figure it out later is, I think, is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's, it, you need to say, here's where I'm going and I'm not letting everybody else's agenda get in the way of my path. Uh, that, so, that's my opinion. So Steve so, Jobs said the thing he was most proud of in his career was everything he said no to. Yeah. No, that is, that is so true. I mean, that's just the way to cause more, more overwhelm. Um, I'm getting in the minds of, you know, what, what questions I, I would think that people would ask is, Okay, so what if I am that person that has less than 10 employees or I am um or they're just starting and it is it's the it's the one founder that's got their business or it's or it's two people. Um to to have that vision and even if they, you know, write it all out and it sounds so awesome is okay, how what are, what are the steps to get there? And I'm sure that that's what your, what your classes help with because, you know, there's that whole idea of, oh my goodness, there's the, here's where I want to go. But then just the thought of how to get there seems so overwhelming. So sure. let me walk you, know, you right through steps. Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, okay. Step number one is- I want people to feel the- that it's possible. That's the thing. You know what I mean? I think sometimes it feels like, how on earth? Well, that's easy for you to say you've got this big team or, you know, I, I've only yeah. got me and one other person. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Summer, summer, 
what was the very first, why were you introduced to me? Do you remember? Yes. What was it? Your, <laughs> your book. What was the book about? It was the book was about you being in jail for like two, uh, two years. I think it was a year and a half, two years. Yeah. A year and a half. It was about me going to federal prison. Right. Uh, that's what we, that's, you were helping me write a book. Yes. And it was, so, okay. So I went to federal prison. That really sucks. It was a yeah. stupid thing. It was an IRS case. It wasn't even about my business, but they said that I either knew or should have known what somebody else did. And after $2 million in legal fees and three and a half years fighting, I gave up my business partner. I both went off to prison, uh, 18 months sentence. Okay. So does, does that sound hard to anybody listening? <laughs> Just a little. A little bit, yeah. But guess what? The year that I, that I was in prison, my take-home pay was $974,000. That was wow. my take-home pay. When I couldn't take an email, a phone call, a meeting, it just had to work without me or my partner there. Right. So systems don't work because everything's easy. Systems work because systems work. Um, I've had business failures, but... I mean, I've, I've had challenges like everybody else. And I started with nothing. I've never raised outside equity capital. I've never gotten loans from banks to start businesses. I came from a lower middle class, uh, lovely, but not wealthy family. And you, everybody can do it. I've got one of the people in, in my mastermind, well, sort of a mastermind group. Um, I have a real, I have a big mastermind and I have kind of mastermind light somebody in the mastermind light group uh, said, she came to me and she says, I'm just ready to give up. I'm going to go get a job. And, and I said, what's the matter? She goes, well, I've done all these things, but I'm, I'm not making any money. And I said, well, you, you've spent all of your time circling, preparing to do the work you want to do, but you haven't done the work. You haven't asked for, for new clients. You haven't asked for money. You haven't, you're not doing the work. You're surrounding it out of fear you're taking all your money and going to classes and joining groups and stuff, but you're not doing the work. So listen, it doesn't matter how hard it is. If you've got something that the market wants and you have enough runway, enough, you can eat enough ketchup packages <laughs> and make the money, you can do it. So step that, one. That right there is so important too, just to like really emphasize that is you have to be willing to not, you know, like you said, to live with, with very minimal means, if this is really that important to you. Okay. Continue. But I just think that's step, so important. Step one that is best, yeah. Step one is where are we going? Step two yeah. is what does the group have? First of all, what am I great at? And what do I suck at? What am I just not good at? And then based on knowing what you're honestly good at, not what you can do, but what you're great at, what your superpower is, Right. And yeah. then you say, okay, I'm going to focus on my superpower and I'm going to begin enlisting even on a part-time a part basis, people who are great at building websites, creating, you know, hand-drawn videos, um, you know, doing uh, financial reporting or whatever. Um, right. And then you have to say, okay, if my vision is this, what do I think the team will need to look like at that time? And you build out an organizational chart that reflects what you think the company will have to look like in order to achieve your vision. Then, not today, but then, three years from now, then you have to start bringing in the right people. And to do that, you have to get very clear about not hiring to do sales, not hiring to do IT, not hiring to do marketing, but hiring for an outcome. I'm hiring mm -hmm. to do this specific thing for me. How, how can you convince me that you can actually do it? And how are we going to measure what you're doing so that we both know if you're winning or losing every day? That's step yeah. number four is measuring. Step number five is building a culture that is self-perpetuating and self-policing so that when you add people to the team, here's how we do it here or, oh, we would never, ever do that. 
in this company, right? That you, you build a culture of this is how we are here. And you make it a culture people can be excited about and proud to be a part of so that they love it. People go to work for Disney all the time and they don't get paid very much money, but they feel so good about being part of something so cool, so legendary, creating magic for that one person in the store, in the park, in the hotel, right? Yeah. They'll work for less money because they're part of something that they love. So that culture is number five. Number six is now that you've got all your sort of people and, and processes in place, now we need to look at the financials and learn what, what hidden wealth is in all of those line items in my profit and loss statement. And if I can tweak this up 2% and this down 4%, all of a sudden it looks like I had exponential growth in discretionary cash. I didn't really have exponential growth. All I had was I, I became aware, so I became more efficient at how I spent my money. Yes. And this is a huge thing. Then after that, the seventh thing you need to understand is that you can't do it yourself. Being unshackled means other people have to have authority that has little or nothing to do with you. You, you tell them what the outcome is you need, and then you give them the freedom to do that work to achieve the outcome without them having to come to you for permission. And that's from the receptionist and the mailroom clerk and the accounts payable person and the customer service and sales and marketing. Everybody has to have authority to act in the assignment you've given them. They have to be able to solve a problem, fix something for a client, make a decision in the moment with when they can't reach you. And and the thing that you need to remember as an owner, and I learned this from a brilliant guy named Keith Cunningham. I love uh, Keith I, Cunningham, the road less I stupid. <laughs> and Keith, Keith says, remember, you can't provide exceptional customer service without making exceptions. Yes. And the only way you're going to be able to make exceptions is if the person on that phone call, in that email string, in the trench, has the permission to make a decision without going up to their manager. Mm -hmm. and, but when you give people that authority, believe me, they will take the, they'll take the weight of that responsibility seriously. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you've got a group of people who know what the goal is. They know what their part of the goal is. They know every day if they're actually making progress and they can see their efforts pro propelling the company towards these new heights and they have permission to make their day-to-day -day work very personal. They can, they can sort of fashion it in a way that maybe the person doing the same job next to them is doing it slightly differently. And it's okay because we're still getting measured on the same things. And when you give somebody authority and you give them autonomy and you let them see that they make a, a measurable difference in doing something that they feel great about what the company is doing, they will be in love with their job and they will give not just their, their minimum effort, but they'll give you their creativity, their ideas, they'll work late, they'll, they'll talk about it at cocktail parties. They will give you their head and their heart, not just their arms and legs. And, and by the that's way, that's a successful business. That's, um, and you're, you're really speaking to culture when, when, when you say all that and the feeling that, that they, that they have. And I think that that's something, and you, I've learned this from Keith Cunningham as well, is the difference between what a lot of businesses think culture is, you know, and, and what it truly is. It's not, you know, Hey, we have a pool table in our, <laughs> in our, you know, a little game room here. And I yeah. think that that's yeah. the mistake of that's culture. And it's like, no, it's really, it's that inside purposeful feeling of here's, here's what I bring and I feel fulfilled and I'm excited to, to get up each day because I know what, what I intend to do. And I know I have a mission, you know, instead of, okay, it's a cool place to hang out, but now I'm over it. You know, <laughs> every, um, every single study shows that people work harder for something they believe in than they ever will work for money. Yes. Yeah. 
That is so, so true. There it is. Yeah. This has been this has been so awesome. And I know that there is so much more that that we can learn from you, that I can learn from you. But I know our time is is short. So I at least I'm I'm so grateful for for what you have have given me today. Um but I'd love to share a website, um, place where listeners can go to, to find out more information, check out the unshackled owner and just all things that are, that are Aaron Young, that is Aaron Young. <laughs> well, if, if they want to just go, it's just my, my full name, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, Scott, S-C-O-T-T, Young, Aaron Scott Um, if you go to Aaron Scott Young.com, you can, there's, you can get access to my podcast. You can click on where it says programs and it'll talk to you about unshackled owner or the freedom call or, um, well, you have to have gone through unshackled owner to be in the mastermind, but, um, all the things we do there, um, there's tons of free stuff. The, the seven steps that I just talked about the, um, the very first thing, when you log on to Aaron Scott Young at the top of the homepage, there's an opt-in for what's called the freedom formula, which is the seven steps that I just kind of talked about. And it's very, very simple, but you can also, when you opt in, it gives you the chance to watch a short video series if they want to get a little more detail and, you know, uh, go check, go check out the podcast and that'll give people, and they'll find it on my website or anywhere. It's called the unshackled owner and it's, Anywhere you can listen to a podcast, you can find the Unshackled Owner, and um, it's where I think we're distributed on like or syndicated on like twenty different platforms. So, awesome. um, yeah, just uh, and you know if I can help people, that's great, and you can figure out how to facilitate that summer. But um, this is just the, the tip of the iceberg. What we've talked about today, I know it I get really long. Is. <laughs> no, but it's so great. And it's, it's so, it's so important. And it is, it's really talking about those, you know, that found foundation, which is most important before diving into, to the rest. But I appreciate so much what you've shared today. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so, I always love visiting with you. Oh, me too. <laughs> I hope I get to see you in person soon. <laughs> yeah. Let's make, let's make that happen. Let's make it happen.